to jump right into sharing the gospel right there. You can wait. Every conversation is a series of, I choose to answer that, I choose to neglect that, I choose to take it in this. Two people are involved in a conversation. And so people who have thought about this, there are certain things you can really handle. And there's certain things like, I really don't know what, like, and what I think most people do is in the name of evangelism, you take every pitch and you swing at everything. You know what happens to the person who swings at every pitch? They strike out a lot. Pastor Daniel will continue to give you some practical advice for evangelizing today. It doesn't have to be complicated. You can just ask questions. Pastor Daniel will also remind you that you don't have to jump right in and share the gospel message with each answer you get back. Let the conversation happen as it will, but always be listening for the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You'll know when it's time to say more if you're letting him lead. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 28 as he continues his message, Strategies and Tactics. When someone's walking through life and you're on that journey with them and you say, I'm going to share a scripture with you. A scripture that is relevant or, or as you're praying for someone, if God shares with you a scripture and you pass that thing along to them, that can do something because before you know it, you start ruminating on those scriptures. Even if they're not a believer, you know, it's like they're going to receive the thoughtfulness from you. So don't neglect those things. So handing out a track, a scripture card or Bible, super good. Another strategy what we can call service-oriented evangelism. We do a lot of that here at Crossroads where we believe that it's God's will that we make this world a better place. But we don't just make the world a better place because we want the world to be a better place. We make the world a better place because we want to tell people that Jesus made the world amazing and he's redeeming it. And so when you self-sacrificially serve for the greater good of humanity, that will open up an opportunity to tell people why you do it. And if you're here at Crossroads, you see, we do a lot of this kind of stuff. Why? Because we really believe that God, he has redeemed our lives, and he wants us to be transformational agents. So we're not just content just to worship in the sanctuary and study the word, but we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. So whether we're working with refugees or foster care, whether we're helping kids who are on the margins, whether we're trying to get people clean water, whether we're trying to eradicate malaria, whether we're doing a shoe drive. I mean, if you've been around here for the last year, we've had tons of these things. And what's amazing is, is we're serving our world and our community at its places of pain in the name of Jesus, but it always opens up opportunities for us to share the hope that's within us. So like when we serve with the public school system, we're not allowed to go and just say, okay, you know, give them an altar call. We're not allowed to do that, but we are wanting to bless the students and the faculties and the administrators in these schools. And then on the side, they start talking. So, so we really love that you guys just, why do you do this? And then someone will say, well, listen, we do this because we believe that Jesus is real. And we believe that we're supposed to be simply responding to Jesus. And, and so we start thinking about what it's like for children who their parents have to decide if they're going to buy food or notebooks, right? And we hope that they would buy food, so we're going to buy the notebooks, 
You know what I mean? It's like we say, we want to treat others as we want to be treated. So when we look at the world that we live in, we say, I'm not in that situation, but they are. And if I was in that situation, how would I want to be treated? And then we proactively treat people that way. But we do that because of our faith in Jesus. And I really truly believe that the people of God should be the most charitable, generous people in the world. You know, in some ways, it actually shows the the power of the gospel. I mean, you read about it in Acts chapter 2, when the early church was filled with the Holy Spirit. There was no legislation. When somebody had a need, people who had excess would sell their things to provide for those who were in need. It wasn't by mandate. They did it because they wanted to. And it was a sign to show the power of the gospel. Anytime, and it's really popular, and it it has been popular for people who don't believe in God, who are atheists, to say, religion ruins everything. And I start laughing. I'm like, find me one hospital before the last 40 years when healthcare became a capitalistic moneymaker that was started by someone who wasn't religious. Like, when was the last time you saw an atheist hospital? It's like, Go to any major city and look at the names on all the hospitals. They're all religious. Why? Because people who believe in God see people in pain. And even when you can't make money, you just want to help. In the, in the early church, when different plagues hit, Christians would stay and give up their lives and serve people who were dying at their own risk because if I was in that situation, how would I want someone to be treated? See, it, it, that mandate of the, what we call the golden rule, the ethics of Jesus, overrides all the other concerns. And so what has gone on, really, if you look at the kind of the flow of Christianity over the years, the church that really believed in preaching the gospel for a long time kind of fleed from self-sacrificial service. They called it the social gospel. And, and it was really because it was being driven by people who didn't really believe the gospel. So because we're not going to preach the gospel, we're going to help people. But now, as time has transpired, now we do both. We don't believe you can do, you should do one or the other. We do both. We preach the gospel with words, and we also live out all the ramifications of the gospel, right? And it's amazing. Uh, when I was in college, I'll never forget, I wasn't a Christian when I was in college. I remember there was, during finals time, there were these kids who came by. They were all very quite happy. And they said, hey, can we take your garbage out? I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, you know, we just got some garbage. I just want to take your garbage out. I'm like, uh, no. You know, it was totally weird. But they were Christians and they were like, they were just trying to help. Now, I was totally put off by that. I'm like, what kind of people knock on your door and ask for your garbage? Like, it was really odd for me. But I got it later, you know, later I'm like, oh, they were just trying to be a blessing. You know, but that was kind of weird. But what's interesting is one of the first times I ever knew that someone was a Christian was actually one of my psych adjunct professors at Rutgers. I remember he was, there's something unique about the guy, but I'll never forget. It was midterms and we all come in and he's like, so it's midterms. Everyone's stressed out. I was like, yeah, you know, he's like, well, I know you guys are stressed out. So I want to, I want I want to do something for you. And he's like, I'm not a singer, but I'm going to sing you a song. And he's like, I'm going to sing you a song because I'm a terrible singer. But I figure my singing is so bad, it's going to make you laugh. And that will be helpful. And he pulled out his guitar. He sang like a John Lennon song. And he was awful. But we all laughed. You know? But it was like, he was one of the first guys to challenge me to read the, gospel, the Bible. Because I, I overslept an exam. 
I went to his office hours to try to get it, let me retake an exam, and he asked me questions about my life, and he ended up challenging me to read the, the Bible. So doing little acts of self-sacrificial service, service-oriented things, a conspiracy of kindness in a world that isn't kind is very, very powerful. So each one of you choosing to take an extra moment and stopping, and if you're going to go to the, to the coffee you know, area and you scream, hey, you want a cup of coffee? You know, you're just stopping and somebody, you know, somebody's struggling out of the grocery store, you know, and you say, hey, you know, can I help you in any way? You see someone who's walking and you stop and you see someone who looks upset and you say, hey, listen, you know, you just seem upset. Is, are you okay? Is there anything I can do? Those little things in a world where people are disconnected, they don't notice each other, where everybody's got their face in their phone and their earbuds in, just being kind and thoughtful is a huge witness to the world. You know, and so service-oriented evangelism, taking opportunities to see someone in need and just simply seek to help in some way. So it's a great strategy and tactics. Next, using contemporary issues or movies. I like to call this the jump-off point. So again, when I was in college, there was a, a guy that I knew who was a Christian. This is what he would do when uh, movies would come out. Uh, at that point, it was on VHS. For those of you who don't know what that is, that was long before iTunes and, and all this stuff. It was like this big plastic thing with this tape and stuff. And that when a movie would come out, he would always buy it. And he'd say, hey, we're, we're gonna, that movie just came on out. It's a new release. Or he'd go to Blockbuster. That was a story. Rent these VHS things. So for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, it's retro. It'll come back in about 15 years. So this guy, every time a new movie would come out, he'd get it. And he'd invite everyone over his house. And, he, and he'd have like popcorn and pizza and snacks. We watched a movie. And then we'd talk about the movie. And what was really cool is that he, he was a Christian, but his goal in watching the movie was to, as he watched the movie, what are the spiritual themes in here that are fascinating? What, what, you know, and how do we, in the midst of talking about the movie, how would he move us around to kind of talk a little bit about things that were a little deeper than on the surface? And when you start to use that as a jump-off point, it's actually very, very easy, isn't it? Because every movie has a storyline, and, and now we have movies with multiple storylines. You look at what's going on in the world today. If you're willing to not worry about politics primarily, but use the political discussions to try and talk about the heart of Jesus, you have ample, like, people talk about what's going on. Like, what's going on in Syria right now? What's going on geopolitically right now with Israel and the UN resolution? We could do all, there's a million things going on. What's going on in popular movies? What's going on with celebrity culture? All of these things, if you're willing to say, I will use that as a jump off point to talk about something more substantial than those things, you realize that every single conversation becomes an opportunity to share the good news of the heart of God. And in a lot of ways, if there's anything that I use primarily, it's that. Because in every conversation that I'm in with someone, I'm like, Lord, where is there an opportunity to be able to bring up something that's more substantial? Because you realize the news cycle is always going to go. What is news today is going to be yesterday, tomorrow. This stuff seems really big and huge, but two weeks later, it's gone, Right? And so if you realize that all these things are transitory and you're thoughtful about it, there's very, very easy ways to jump off of contemporary issues 
or movies or things going on in culture to be able to share the gospel. Another way, one that we actually do a lot of here as well, is what I like to call passive evangelism. Passive evangelism is something like if you get a bumper sticker that says Jesus is real on it, right? You know, here across us, we put up billboards. I had someone say to me recently, oh, that billboard thing. I mean, like, why would you do that? I'm like, dude, we put Jesus's name on a billboard. Like, like when, you know, someone's sitting at a traffic light, you can look at, make sure you get a rectal examination. Because that's on the other one. It's totally awkward. You're like, oh, you know, like, it's like, you can either think about that or you can say, Jesus is real. Like, which one would you choose? You know, and where we live now, it's either you put Jesus real or buy your favorite strain of marijuana at this store, you know, because every other billboard is for a pot shop. So it's like, why wouldn't we want to put Jesus' name on it? People stop at the light, they sit there, they look around, and why don't we say Jesus is real? It, it, it's, it does something. You, put a, a, you realize that on the back of every one of your cars, there is something that wraps around your license plate that is some sort of an advertisement. Most of you never noticed it because it was there the day you got the car. Right? And most often, it's a car dealership. And they put them on there because you need something to go around your thing, and it's a free advertisement for them. And if you're like everybody else, 80% of the people leave those things on, they never take them off. So why don't you get a different one? Some people are like, you know, I'd rather be golfing, where everything tastes better dipped in chocolate. You have all these things around it. And so it's like, but you notice all those things. Why? Because you sit behind a car, and you're staring at the back of the car, and you notice that stuff. So why not put something spiritual there? You see what I'm saying? We ask you and encourage you to check out your favorite social networking site. Why? It's passive evangelism. You're actively posting it, but it just sits there. And then someone, you know, someone finds you who you haven't seen since you were in high school. And they're like, oh, wow, they go to that church. And maybe every once in a while they'll click on the church link. And before you know it, they're watching a two-minute message or something else is going on. But you're doing these little things that are seeding the opportunity to have a more substantial discussion. Another passive way to do evangelism is in your language. And my wife, Lynn, is amazing at this. Because, you know, you know how... Like, I, I love my family so much, my family of origin. And, and, but I didn't grow up in a, in a home that was centered on Jesus. I was totally loved. Amazing folks, right? And you know that a prophet's got no honor in his own country among its own people. That's what Jesus said, right? And so sometimes we're the worst people to share with our families. So the best thing that ever happened was I got married. Because my dad can dismiss me can't quite dismiss Lynn. This is only daughter-in-law. And how could you, like, my wife is so sweet, you know? And so Lynn is so funny because Lynn will say, like, something will go on, she'll be like, oh, praise the Lord. You know, and it's not like hokey. That's just like, if you, if you go to, you women go to women's, you know, that's my wife. You know I mean? She's so sweet, you know? And so I'll never forget the first time, you know, she's sitting there with my family and my dad shared something. And my Lynn's like, oh, praise God. That's so awesome. And my dad was like, <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And I was like, because like what he was talking about was really cool. And Lynn was like, man, praise God for that. And my dad would never have thought to praise God for it. And he was like, yeah, you know? And so it's like her just, her not abridging all of her language, just being who she is in Christ, not in an off-putting way. All of a sudden they got to think about it. Like I remember my little Maranatha, she was walking with my my dad's wife. So my mother passed away. My dad got married when I was older. So we call her Nana, you know? And so Maranatha was walking with Nana. And, and I'll never forget it. So, so Maranatha at the time is like four. And I've always told you Maranatha is the boss because she's the boss. Total middle child. You know what I mean? Like she knows everything. She's got all dialed in. 
right? So Nana's like, oh, you know, and this made me so nervous. And, and Maranatha goes, Nana, don't be nervous. Trust in Jesus. You know? And, like, I just look, and Nana's eyes well up with tears. And I look at Lynn, I'm like, yeah. You know? So, so train your kids well. You know, it's like, because, like, what are you going to say when a little kid's like, don't be scared, trust in Jesus. You're like, well, Jesus isn't real. Like, we, religion is a figment of your imagination. Like, they're not going to say that as a little kid. You know, like, yeah, you know? And so passive evangelism is really, like, it really works. Like, I was just talking to someone the other day. They don't like putting bumper stickers on their car. So they took the Jesus is real sticker and they put it on their computer right? Sitting in a coffee shop, but they put the stickers so when it, their top is up, it, people can read it. You know, it's like, I don't know how you do that, but you understand what I'm saying, right? And all of a sudden, so I'm walking across, so can we talk about the bumper, the sticker on your computer? What's that all about, right? And it, it's just a conversation. It's just like we had the vote for Jesus t-shirts, you know, during the election. Man, I must have had 50 conversations with people about vote for Jesus, why? Because what does it actually mean? Jesus isn't on the ballot. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You don't have to vote for Jesus. He's who he is. But it, it's a conversation starter, right? So don't be ashamed of passive evangelism. That's why here at Crosses, we, put, we have all sorts of T-shirts that we, we are always doing. Why? Because we want to get a conversation. Like every shirt that you wear is an advertisement if it's got some wording on it. It's favorite team. It's this thing. It's that thing. It's your alma mater. It's all these different things. So why not advertise Jesus? You're walking around anyway. Your cars are always sitting somewhere. You can utilize these things. Social media, passive evangelism is an absolutely great way. Now, another great strategy is that you start with a question. Now, I like this one. And, and this might be my most used one, is that rather than telling somebody what you want to tell them, you ask them about what they believe. Why? Because if evangelism is seeker-sensible, then you actually don't begin with what you believe, you begin with what they believe. So you start asking questions. Now, you can ask all sorts about people, all sorts of questions. You can ask things like this. Do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? That's a very non-threatening question. Like, what do you believe spiritually, you know? And I, I used to do it this way. Like, I've been really thinking a lot about spirituality. So, you know, what do you believe? Because really, the things of Jesus, is, it's true spirituality. So when you ask it in that way, it's not like, well, listen, I am a Christian. And are you a Christian? Right? Well, all of a sudden, I was like, you know? Unless they say yes. Oh, I'm a Christian too, you know? But everyone else is like, you know, they put up the boxing gloves, like, let's do this. But if you say, look, you know, like, I've been really thinking about spiritual things, and like, do you have any spiritual beliefs? All of a sudden, yeah, I have all sorts of beliefs, you know, and they start sharing what they believe. You can ask things like, you know, to you, who's Jesus? You know? Like, who do you believe that Jesus is? Jesus asked that question of his disciples. Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? It's a great question. You know, of course, you can ask, you know, uh, if you were to die right now, where would you go and why? What's amazing about that question is that is like that is a nondescript spiritual question. If you're going to die right now, where do you go and why? Again, it asks a question and then you get the ball rolling. And so one of the things that I always encourage people with starting a question is what I would call the baseball principle, which is a great hitter in baseball knows what pitches they can drive and knows how to lay off all the ones that they're going to miss. Does that make sense? So in some ways, for any 
baseball hitter, there are certain pitches that they know that they can hit the barrel of the bat on that. Maybe it's a, it's a right down the middle of the plate, whether it's a, an up and in pitch or, you know, each person is unique in the way that they swing. There's certain pitches they can hit. And if you're an, a question asker, you have to learn what are the pitches you're really good at handling because with every answer, you do not have to jump right into sharing the gospel right there. You can wait. Every conversation is a series of, I choose to answer that. I choose to neglect that. I choose to take it in this. Two people are involved in a conversation. And so people who have thought about this, there are certain things you can really handle. And there are certain things like, I really don't know what, like, and what I think most people do is in the name of evangelism, you take every pitch and you swing at everything. You know what happens to the person who swings at every pitch? They strike out a lot. But if you're good at waiting and waiting and you're patient, then when something comes that you can handle, then you jump in right there. And so, and I'm, when I say jump in, I don't mean like you just take the conversation over. Because really in evangelism, I want you to work for relationships. That's what really God is really interested in. God is interested in relationships. You know, one of the things I've always tell people, is like if you're going to share the gospel with somebody, make sure you get their name first. Because there's nothing worse. We live in a day and age where everybody feels like they are just a number and a mark. Like someone shows up at your door, they want to sell you something, right? They don't really care about you. They just want to sell you whatever they want to sell you. Like we are all relentlessly marketed to, right? And so you want to build a relationship. You want to get someone's name. You want to find out some of their story, you know, and what I find is that by asking people questions, people are really free as long as they're communicative and, and, and they're not freaked out by you. You know, it's like they're going to talk about their life. And the key for us is to learn what to just, oh, yeah, tell me more about that. Oh, so wait, so you said this. What do you mean by that? And you're building a relationship. And what I found is that when you take the time to work for a relationship rather than just getting the job done, that relationship will abide long after just one time of meeting somebody. And in a lot of ways, and to close this series out, it's like, I think with evangelism, people really just want to see someone give their life to Jesus right there. It's like, it's like and we have a, a right now kind of a culture, right? We, we, we aren't good at delaying gratification. And what I have found in talking to people is that it's very, very rare for you to just meet somebody, share the gospel with them, and then they give their life to Jesus. That happens very infrequently. But if we build a relationship, and then we build on that relationship, and, and it's a true friendship, and we care about people, and we talk to people, and we get to know them, over time, it's amazing the things that God will do. Jesus is Pastor Daniel encouraged you today to take steps toward sharing the gospel message. He shared how something passive like putting a bumper sticker on your car or checking into church on your social media page can spark interest in another person. He also encouraged you to ask questions, getting to know another person on their level. In all of the ways you share Jesus, make sure that you're relying on him. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. 
thank you for prayerfully considering this. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus' Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus' Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. Today, Pastor Daniel wrapped up his series called The Gift. Throughout these messages, you've learned all about evangelism, a typically scary word that most Christians would rather avoid. Pastor Daniel reminded you, though, that it doesn't have to be hard. Everyone can talk about Jesus, and everyone needs to talk about Jesus. Through simple strategies and tactics, you can tell your friends and family about the gift of grace. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.